At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. It's a numbers game with your host, Gil Alexander. You want those idiots who believe in analytics? Yes, I am. Guilty as charged. It is a numbers game right here at Visa, the sports betting network. Visa.com, the Visa app, Fobo, Sling, Game Plus, and any way you're taking us in this morning. iHeartRadio, perhaps. Um, good show today. Paul Carr, Euro Cup 2020. Though, as I say that, let me just say, yesterday was brutality for me in Euro Cup. I had both France and Spain. Let's do it chronologically. I had both Spain and France. Both were up 3-1 to one late, late, and both squandered those leads late. Just ridiculous. Spain ends up winning in uh, added time, or I should say extra time. Pardon me. I want to get that terminology right. France ends up losing in uh, on PKs later with uh, Kylian Mbappe missing his shot after nine straight had gone in, five for Switzerland, four for France, and that was that. Uh, but lost both of those in regulation brutally. So Paul Carr will uh, try to uh, make... Make it better for us today with a couple more, the final two round of 16 matches in the Euro Cup 2020. Paul Sporer will be here to talk baseball, as will Mark Borchard. Uh, we'll uh, get some baseball insights, some picks from them on the card today in Major League Baseball. Dan Bespris on the NBA, uh, and of course, Drew Dinsick here momentarily to start things off. We'll talk NBA and tennis with Drew. Uh, still trying to figure out why some matches get suspended and some don't here here at Wimbledon. Uh, but the, the first round is taking its time with weather delays. So there's still some matches that were supposed to start yesterday that have yet to start. Uh, yesterday, we were on uh, Tiafo. We were on the air when that was going on. Didn't have the onions to take him straight, but had him in, on the set line. We also had a Rinderknecht, which is was suspended from yesterday, 9-9 nine to nine in the fifth set. They play up to 12 at Wimbledon now before they go to a tiebreaker to fifth set. That because of that, that marathon-Isner match from years ago where they played three days' worth, and he won with like 80-some games uh, in the fifth set. Uh, so they changed all the rules, so we're still waiting on that. Today, again, very deliberate with my Wimbledon plays, really not playing much here in the early rounds. We are waiting to play uh, Zapata Miralles in uh, in his match today against Christian Garin. That is supposed to start in 20 minutes, but who knows? He's a dog at plus 158. That's my only play today uh, at this point moving forward. So we'll see. Uh, a lot still in the balance at Wimbledon, and they're taking their time, obviously, with the first round with all the weather. Let's talk tennis, but let's also talk basketball with the host of uh, NBC Sports' Bet the Edge podcast, and, of course, his own with his buddy Andy Molitor, the Deep Dive podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at whale underscore capper. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Drew Densick. How you doing, Drew? Good morning, Gil. It is a beautiful Tuesday here. We got... Wimbledon in action. It wouldn't be Wimbledon without some rain delays. I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> so, how's yeah. it? How did, how did it go yesterday for you? Did you did you uh, fare well? 
Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I had, I, it sounded like uh, in the preview you were talking, you were on Frank, Frank Tiafo. Yes. Uh, promising young American, uh, at least on, you know, hard courts in the U.S. He plays pretty well. In slams, he plays pretty well. Uh, and that was just an absolutely miserable spot for Stefano Sissipas, not playing any warm-up on grass coming off of that French Open final, which was so emotional. And uh, obviously, stuff going on in his personal life as well. That was a miserable spot to be matched up against a guy who's on form. He's already won a title on grass this season uh and uh i got a, i got a decent amount of frank in that one um i'm still in shock that he was um you know basically even odds to win a set in that one uh that was so far the most uh most mispriced of the lines that i've seen uh i, ha- I had some seb corda today come through nice um you know that was a another perfect perfect situation where you had alex demonauer play late into last week really left a lot of it on the court uh in that uh you know championship uh, final for him and um yeah Corda's no joke Corda's playing extremely well this spring early in, into this summer and um you know talented young american not like a quality that i would say could eventually win a slam but uh, definitely a guy that's going to make some noise and honestly the second quarter looks wide freaking open so why not seb Corda? Yeah, no, I, uh, to be honest with you, I had a little Dimonar, and I absolutely, when I when I said it to somebody, I said, I, I respect the hell out of Corda. I just don't, you know, this is one of these matches where it's like, we don't have the grass data, so this is, that's why you have to, on all of these, you have to tread lightly in a way that you wouldn't otherwise, and you can't be too confident about anything. And that was one of those where I probably would like to have back, but it's also one that, you know, I, I could have gone my way too. Uh, but uh, Corda was the better man, wins it in four sets. And, um, yeah, that's, that's, for me, the biggest theme in all of this is so much of it. Even, you know, my pick later, Sapata Mirais, I think it's good value. Uh, but I don't know exactly. It's Gil Alexander. It's Drew Dinsick. It's the Bet the Edge podcast from Drew uh, from NBC Sports. Also deep dive here on a numbers game at Visa and the Sports Betting Network. Had, uh, you know, there, there's other ones yesterday. Pedro Martinez was a good play. That worked out as a dog. Uh, I didn't have the onions to go Tiafo straight on the match, but thought about it and now regret not having done that. Did you do him straight? I, I hit that three ways. I hit the set line, I hit the money line small, and then I hit um, Sissipas not to win the second quarter pretty big. Uh, so that was nice. that was that was nice. Um, but uh, ultimately, um, yeah, that that was mostly that was a I, it was a little bit of a backing Tiafo for his form, but it was mostly a Sissipas fade just because of yeah. not having played any any warm up. And you could see it in his movement. I thought you know he was very tentative, very you know going from. Roland Garros surface to Wimbledon with no intermediary None. kind of get your feeling on the grass. That's a really tough ask. And he got the, just a brutal draw with a player who was on in form. I like your uh, Zabata Morales pick. You kind of like he came through qualifiers in French open and uh, my numbers on him were like, this guy's uh, good. Like, why is he in qualifiers? Like, he's playing really well. And then I didn't expect him to do anything on grass, but he came through the qualifiers on grass with same sort, same story. His numbers uh, are popping. And Christian Guerin, not necessarily a player that I have a high number on on grass at all. So right. uh, I like his uh, shot as a money line dog. I didn't get involved just because I have, you know, I get exactly like your sentiment. Um, the first week of Wimbledon, I tread very lightly in a normal year. And this year we had... Uh, an entire year break of any play on grass uh, combined with a shortened run-up 
uh, post French Open. So this is like the perfect storm of, uh, you know, shooting fish in a barrel, small, but small sample size, you know, like that you can, like, you know, I guess a great example, you have Zverev, um, excuse me, you have um, uh, Medvedev versus uh, Jan Leonard Struff later. And, um, you know, Struff's played three on grass. One of them happened to be against Medvedev. He beat him in Halle. Um, but then Medvedev comes back and wins the Mallorca title, obviously has his form on grass now. Well, what do you do with that? <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, well, you know, they, they, so that's a great example. Like, I could see Struff winning that outright. Sure. But I don't have the onions to play it. Maybe I should. You know, that's one of those where it's not Medvedev's surface. Um, and Struff is absolutely live in that. So there's there's probably a play there, maybe, again, on a set line. Um, you nailed it. Yeah, that's probably the way to go. It. That's the only thing else I have on my card for today. I have uh, Jan Leonard Struff uh, minus 110 to take a set, plus two and a half sets for Jan Leonard Struff. Uh, hopefully he takes one. But honestly, like my my general opinion on Medvedev is, is super up in the air now. Uh, you know, coming into Roland Garros, Medvedev had never won a match there. Um, and he didn't look in form on clay on that run up at all. Uh, and then he goes on and makes it to the uh, quarterfinals and was a little lively in that quarterfinal against Sissipas, who was absolutely in peak form. Um, so Medvedev might be kind of shaking off a lot of his, um, you know, past poor performances at these two summer slams. And, you know, he could do something interesting here at Wimbledon as well. He obviously has a tough path. The fourth quarter is full of challenges. He's going to have to go through Marin Cilic likely. He's going to have to go through Roger Federer likely to get out of this quarter. Um, those are going to be incredible matches. But, uh, you know, if, if you kind of consider Medvedev as sort of Djokovic light, which I think is fair, like his style of play, his ability to get everything back on return, like all of that, I think is a completely fair comparison to Djokovic, um, albeit at a little bit lesser, a, you know, a little lesser extent because he's a younger player and, you know, that, and Djokovic is one of the greatest, if not the greatest of all time. I would still say the fact that Djokovic has figured it out on grass and can play the way he can, Medvedev eventually, I would guess, will be able to replicate that. And, you know, it could come out of nowhere. It could be at this tournament. Um, and so, you know, outside of a couple of, uh, you know, small futures on the men's side, I am like crazy light on overall in my place. Me for too. Wimbledon, Just cause I, I just, I can't tell you what's going to happen. Well, I can't. And the Medvedev is, is interesting because like with Umber and Kyrgios, whenever they get around to playing that match, I've said it for for a lot of these guys. They could lose in the first round, or they could have deep runs in the tournament, and I couldn't tell you which is the case. And Medvedev, I could see him losing today and then winning the U.S. Open, right? Like, there's so many different things that could happen with these guys, and it's it's really tough to bet on uh, at this point, especially, again, you know, focusing on this tournament itself. Super, super nitty on the plays. And and the lady side, even more so for me. I mean, you talk about a crapshoot. I got nothing going over there. Do you? On Shabor. One shot, one kill. One shot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, although I'm considering adding a second shot. The way Muguruza played yesterday was nasty. She was ruthless against uh, Fiona Farrow. Fiona Farrow, obviously not like an especially impressive grass player, but if Muguruza is going to have that kind of form and the conditions are going to be exactly perfect for her strengths, uh, she could be a very, very tough out here. I see on your odds board right now, she's looking at uh, prices in the 10 to 1 range. Um, her path isn't especially favorable, so I think maybe rather than take a future, I'm just going to find ways to back her match by match. Okay, so today then, Struff plus uh, two and a half. Is that what you ended up playing? Plus two and a half sets, minus 110, currently available uh, at some of the offshores. And anything else? That's the only one pending. 
that's all I got left for. Okay. Today. Yep. All right. Um, so we're all we're all sort of of the same mind. It's uh, tread lightly at least uh, for these first few days at Wimbledon, and they're certainly treading lightly as they try to navigate through uh, through the delays. Okay. So let's talk NBA. Last night. Clippers down three to one. Uh, it's only happened four times in the history of NBA conference finals where a team down three to one has come back and won it all. Uh, I would like to say all the time because I like to give them a shout. The 1979 Washington Bullets drew. Never forget doing that against the San Antonio Spurs behind Hall of Famer Bobby Dandridge. Is he in the Hall of Fame now? I think he is. Um, okay, so the Clippers take the first step towards that. They beat the Suns 116 to 102, playoff P with 41. Boogie, uh, Boogie Cousins calling him one of the most special players ever. And the Clippers win it going away 116-102. I shouldn't say going away. The Suns had, had sort of spurts that got it close. But every time they got it close, uh, the Clippers had an answer. And specifically, George had an answer. But the Suns looked really flat from the jump. And I do mean literally from jump. And there you have it. We're going back to L.A. with the Clippers very much alive all of a sudden without Kawhi Leonard. What, what do you do with this series on a night-to-night basis? Did you see that coming last night? No, not even a little bit. Uh, I had Suns in five. I had Suns last night. I, am, I was extremely disappointed with their effort. That was a tough loss. And after the game is over, you start to hear rumblings of, well, they did a practice ceremony accepting the Western Conference trophy title. Yes, oh, you know, no. And it's like, oh, okay. So that's where their heads were. <laughs> oh, right? no. So, so, that's, so that's where their heads were. Um, but even beyond just the Suns part of this, which was a disappointing performance, the frustrating part for me was the Clipper, you know, Ty Lu and the Clippers had the ability to play this well the whole series if they had gone small earlier and it took Zubak getting injured and forcing him out of the rotation for Ty Lu for them to figure this out. And honestly, my thesis coming into game five was, well, they're going to go heavier on Zubak because they think that's the only way they can win. They are doomed. Uh, and without Zubak, all of a sudden you have a much more nimble rotation. Marcus Morris is playing the five and absolutely lit it up in the first quarter, um, you know, with the additional space that he had to operate. Uh, and it was like, uh, you know, uh, Ty, this is, I think, the third series in a row where Ty Lu has kind of come in with an idea of what he wanted to do from a coaching standpoint that has been completely backwards. And then he's stumbled his way into like, oh, this is what I should have out on the floor for our crunch time five. And I'm a little nervous that he's done it again here. Um, however, I would say that the Suns, you know, kind of. The overall talent, I feel like, is much greater, uh, and the fact that you get them at a pick or pick them in L.A. and the Clippers have poured out so much to get to this point on a relatively lean squad. Um, you know, Reggie Jackson has had a phenomenal series. I don't know that he can continue to perform at this level. Um, you know, maybe he carries them to the Western to the finals. Maybe he they win the finals. I, you know, I'm, I've kind of given up kind of doubting the Clippers at this point. But um, I do think the Suns are still the better team. I make them a favorite on the road, uh, and I'm going to back them in game six to get it done. And hopefully the fact that they've kind of, you know, gotten, uh, you know, gotten one stinker out of the way here sets them up a little bit better to perform in game six. But uh, I, you know, this, this Clippers team uh, is, uh, is proving far more resilient than yes. Clippers teams of the past. Absolutely. By the way, game uh, six tomorrow night, Phoenix either a one-point favorite or I'm seeing a lot of pickums now across the board at L.A. And we would assume that there's no Kawhi again. I guess we would just assume he won't be here for this series. 
at this point. Let me just ask you about the Zubots thing last night, because on primetime action last night, I was saying, well, I kind of want to take the Clippers plus the points, because there's a lot of points. And then the Zubots news came down, and instead of me assuming that that would help, I, I immediately assumed, well, now Monty Williams is going to go to DeAndre Ayton over and over and over again, and they're going to counter that way. But basketball is a, is a fascinating puzzle, right? There's an optimal efficiency to five guys on a court, and it's oftentimes not the five you would think that ends up being your best combination. And I think you're right about Ty Lue sort of stumbling into it, trial and error, not only this series, but I would say last series too. What do you think about the way that, that Monty Williams countered it last night? It wasn't like an eight and fest. Do you think he, he sort of played into the small lineup? How did you view that? I didn't love it. <laughs> I think uh, I think that my concern kind of coming into the series was if the Clippers find small ball, there, it, there's a potential that you can't play Aiden. Um, and that's a problem. Because uh, if you're talking about asking 20 minutes from Dario Sarge, then you know your if your defensive liabilities are a huge problem all of a sudden. Um, but Aiden, I don't really know that he has a ton of. I don't know what to expect really from him in game six. I don't think it's a bounce back spot. I don't think he matches up well against a small ball lineup. You saw what they, you saw what the Clippers were able to do to take Rudy Gobert off the court. Aiton is not that dissimilar of a player in terms of what he brings to the table. So uh, they're going to have to get creative. I have a ton of respect for Monty Williams as a coach. I don't think he is answerless here. I think he'll have something, Um, but uh, it's going to have to be something creative because the small ball, is an issue. I, I loved how he played the end of game four. Loved it with the foul fest. Uh, beautiful game theory. I watch. I know people think it's boring, but from a from a securing a win standpoint, it was it was beautiful. We were we were debating last night if Boogie Cousins had any idea what the rule was on missed free throws. <laughs> I took the position he had no clue. I thought that was a deficiency that Ty Lue should have let him know. Hey, you got to hit the rim, Boogie, uh, for this uh, for this you know missed free throw thing to possibly work. So all the respect for Monty Williams, but I I just think I think you're right. He's he won't be answerless come Game Six. Suns Clippers, which to me for on a night to night basis is largely. Uh, a puzzle that I cannot solve. Milwaukee and Atlanta tonight, game four. You don't want to say it's a must-win situation, but it feels kind of must-winny because obviously if Milwaukee wins, they go up 3-1 to one in that series. We've already talked about how few times a uh, team has come back from 3-1 to one historically in NBA Conference Finals. Milwaukee, a touchdown favorite, minus seven. Bruised, uh, bruised bone for Trey Young. We don't know if he plays. We don't know if he's diminished when he plays. I'm sure he'll play. I, I, we don't know how diminished. Um, I'll say what I said yesterday. I'll get your thoughts on that, which is Milwaukee, obviously, when, when Giannis goes to the hole, everything looks so easy for them. When he starts shooting threes and they start just sort of being lax about stuff, then they open the door. And if Atlanta is hitting threes, then Atlanta can play basketball with them. And I feel like, and I said this to JBT last night on Primetime Action, I feel like if Milwaukee was even more buckled down and they took it a little more seriously, Atlanta wouldn't even have that window to walk, you know, to to have a chance to win this. But yet Milwaukee doesn't play that button down, and so they leave it open for Atlanta to play with them for, you know, as Shaq said, 42 minutes the other night. Um, There's a lot of points tonight. Would you play Atlanta? 
I am not going to play Atlanta. I'm going to play Milwaukee. Uh, and it, it's painful. It's painful to lay the points with these guys uh, because you're absolutely right. They don't press their advantages. Mm-hmm. Um, Budenholzer could likely shorten his rotation in this game, play Giannis and Middleton and Drew Holiday 40, 42 minutes, and the Bucks can win double digits going away. Um, they can switch up their defensive uh, philosophy a little bit, a little bit less Brooke Lopez out on the floor, a little bit more attention to the perimeter guys. Um, you know, do not foul Trey young when he drives, make him finish. Uh, and then you know, make him finish at the rim. Don't make him, don't let him have the little teardrop shot. And then with Trey young's, you know, ankle situation with his shoulder injury, uh, I think Trey young is going to have a tough time beating you that way. Um, but this is an ideal kind of sitting back, looking at the, the series and saying, yes, it's solved. And Budenholzer can figure it out and press those buttons. We've never seen him figure it out and press those. <laughs> yeah. buttons. So it is a gamble to lay the points with the Bucks. I completely acknowledge this. Um, however, they are the much better team. And even if, even as we saw in game three, even if it is a competitive game, which in it really ought not to be, um, you know, the Bucks with a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of key turnovers, a couple of offensive rebounds, a couple late three point shots can 100% get within this number. Um, I think the most likely outcome is pretty similar to what we saw in game three in terms of margin. Uh, I would have made this about, you know, close to a 10 point game. Uh, so I'm going to lay the points with the bucks and, you know, and if, if for whatever reason, the bucks kind of get into that lackadaisical, uh, you know, we're up comfortably, we're going to let Giannis shoot some threes and, or they're struggling to find offense and they, you know, they're in the half court and they're, uh, you know, they're, they're lacking flow. Um, then I'm going to either, you know, look for an opportunity to get off of this or, um, you know, or just go down with the ship here, but it's not going to be a fun game to watch. None of the Bucks games are, and they make this so much more painful than it, than it ought to be. That's a, that's exactly how I feel about it. It's like the window should be shut and the Bucks just aren't disciplined enough to shut it. And they're like, eh, come on in Atlanta. We'll give you a little glimmer of hope. And sometimes <laughs> Atlanta can walk through it if they're hitting threes. And sometimes they can uh, game number four tonight in Atlanta with the Hawks seven-point dogs. Uh, five more minutes with Drew. He has, believe it or not, some in-depth Olympics thoughts, uh, which he shared with us on primetime action with Matt Brown, Danny Alavari, and Kelly Bidling the other night. Uh, we'll see if the lines are still there to play, but he's done a deep dive into the Olympics. Also, the name of his podcast with Andy Molitor. Coming back right here on a numbers game at VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. A numbers game with Gil Alexander. Numbers game proudly brought to you by BetMGM Nevada with basketball, hockey, and baseball games every week. It's time to get into BetMGM Sports Nevada, the premier sports betting app. BetMGM has all your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Just download the BetMGM app today. Won't take you but a few seconds. Then you stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state-issued ID to open an account. That won't take you but a few minutes. And then you're free to start placing sports bets from anywhere in the state of Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to 
love BetMGM state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Drew Dinsick from the Bet the Edge podcast from NBC Sports. Uh, Edge available uh, wherever podcasts are distributed is with us. He's also got the Deep Dive podcast with Andy and the Whale, and you can follow him on Twitter at Whale underscore Capper. By the way, before I ask you about the Olympics, Drew, uh, why do some matches get suspended at certain times and others are allowed to go on at Wimbledon? Do you, have you figured this out yet? When it's late rain like this, they leave it up to the players in the in the Empire to kind of make the call to come off the court, and if both players want to play, they let them finish the set before they pull them off, is my understanding. Yeah. I, I wonder, because they had the same rule at the French, I believe, to some degree. And then, inevitably, you would see somebody get really upset about a decision or not. Yeah. But I guess here it's all consensus as well. So, anyway, we have some matches yeah. going on, some yeah. not. Um, okay. Yeah. So you can, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be like this. It's going to be like this for the rest of the fortnight, probably. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be fun. People, it's funny because you there's certain matches that you can't find that were supposed to be scheduled yesterday, but they still haven't been, you know, they still haven't started yet. So people get frustrated. Well, I can't make that pick. Uh, it's not on my book. Okay. So you spent at least a day or two deep diving into the Olympics. Olympics aren't going to start till late July. And, uh, you know, on the American landscape, DraftKings has certain markets up, then they put certain markets uh, uh, up at different times. But total medal counts, there's total gold medal counts. What do you like if people are inclined to bet the Olympics at this point? Well, uh, you're right. We're still about a month away, but most of our trials and most of the worldwide trials for some of the bigger sports, which kind of drive the medal count, are in the books. Um, after the swimming trials were over, I really kind of got hands-on on this because, um, you know, that I first of all, I love the swimming. Uh, and honestly, I was blown away. There are swimming markets up for every event, and they're taking 5K to win right now uh, at my shop. So I'm... Like, okay, this is going to be a worthwhile effort to try to find some edges here. Sure. And uh, the swimming market is fascinating because usually we come into the Olympics and Australia has done well and the U.S. is, they look fine. We know we have some contenders and then Australia tends to underperform and the U.S. is like blows, you know, everybody hits best times, all time, world records, blah, blah, blah. Well, this last world championship cycle into 2019, which is the last time we saw these competitors around the world swim against each other. Uh, the U S did quite poorly. Actually, it was a, it was shocking, especially from our men's side, how few uh, gold medals we were really able to come away with in that event. We lost some events that we typically, you know, win going away. Um, and really that's kind of shaken my confidence in the U S's ability to get gold medals in this Olympics, because we typically get between 12 and 16 gold medals from swimming alone. Uh, and if we're going to hit our total, which is currently 46 and a half, uh, we're going to need to win in, you know, in the ballpark of 16 gold medals in swimming again. Uh, right now I only see us with, uh, coming away at tops five on the men's side. And then across the women's side right now, we're only looking like we're coming away with five. So we're talking probably about a six, uh, six metal chop here on our swimming hall. Um, and a ton of the reason is Australia's women's program is swimming out of their minds. They had women who were not even on full taper, who were sitting world records at their trials. Um, so Australia is, you know, they could potentially in the first week of the Olympics come away with, you know, between eight and 10 golds, mostly on the back of their women's swimming program. And their total is 12 and a half. 
Um, so Australia over uh, 12 and a half was my first play. That's still up on the board at plus 105. Uh, and again, that could be sort of a rocking chair winner where in week one, you get eight to 10, and then you just need a couple of the random ones over the course of the rest of the Olympics. Um, and then similarly, the, the, the U.S. total has been getting hammered. The under 46 and a half is now minus 195. Yep. I think the first bet I placed on that, it was like minus 130. So that thing, I'm not the only person who kind of has recognized that the U.S. is going to be in a little bit of a tight spot to make that number. Um, the only thing I guess I can say from a positive standpoint, the U.S. athletic trials, the you know the track and field, uh, we were spectacular. There were some standout performances, especially on the women's side, some world record set that were completely unexpected. So the U.S. track and field program is going to be excellent. But uh, overall, I think us getting into the high 40s or 50s is pretty unlikely. I feel like I saw our total gold medals go from 46 and a half down a couple and then come back to 46 and a half, though the under, as you said, still spectacularly juiced. Uh, I played it per your recommendation under uh, 46 and a half. Again, over on Australia at 12 and a half gold medals. You can get that in plus money, as a matter of fact, plus 105. Drew, appreciate it as always, sir. We'll talk next hey, week. Best of luck, guys. Drew Densick, everybody, uh, at whale underscore capper. That's where you can find him on Twitter. Always fascinating stuff. We'll come back. I have a baseball pick after last night's Giants one-run loss. And we'll talk baseball with Mark Borchard right here on the Numbers Game at Vista, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back to A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander. Baseball season is in full swing, so it's the perfect time to work on cashing tickets every day. Our VEASAN experts give you all the tools to make the most of every baseball bet, including live odds and analysis for every game on VEASAN.com slash MLB and our daily members-only best bet emails. Now's the time to start your free trial and take advantage of all the betting opportunities this baseball season at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. That's VEASAN.com slash subscribe. It's Gil Alexander. Two questions. One. Scotty Pippen okay? Seems very angry. Scotty Pippen just lashing out. No matter where you look up on the screen, he's got something else to say about somebody. That's the first question. And then the other uh, conundrum, which we were uh, working on this morning, NBA Finals, Stanley Cup Final, per Jason Kahn, producer number seven. How you doing, Jason? Didn't say hello to you today. Good. Good morning, Gil. How are you? Good? you? These are the things that Jason worries about off air. So much. Stanley Cup Final, singular. NBA Finals, plural. And that is official, right? The Stanley Cup goes with final singular. Yeah, that's the a way that the NHL does it. I wonder if, I wonder if it's because the, the French for, uh, Stanley Cup Final is, is sounds singular from back in the day, and that's what they decided to go with. I don't know. Eh, things that we ponder here in the morning. Um, we get tweets at Beating the Book. Always appreciate uh, the feedback. And then always appreciate our guests sort of answering said feedback. Uh, Trip Tepper asked this morning, do you adjust your data? He sent this out to both Drew and I. Drew got to it first. Do you adjust your data for matches at Wimbledon when they close the roof? Specifically for in-play betting, if a closed roof, for instance, would favor or hamper one of the players of the match, how much faster does the surface actually get? Uh, Drew liked that tweet. He answered, uh, excellent questions. If it mostly changes the bounce height and the sight lines when serving, typically makes the return game easier for stronger returning players like Djokovic. Uh, I would agree with that analysis as well. Robert Kutulis, uh, do you do you too, talking about Drew and me, do you too think that the over 35 and a half is worth a look in the Medvedev match? I would say yes. I would say it is worth a match. And again, uh, both Drew and I sort of uh, organically, we didn't know that each, each other were thinking this, landed on Struff plus the two and a half sets, which you can get at plus 100. I, I think the over is is worth playing as well. I like the Struff plus the two and a half sets a little better, quite frankly. 
Um, because you never know. There could be a run out, and 35-and-a-half won't get there, but I don't hate it either. Over 35-and-a-half. Let's put it this way. I'd play the over way before I'd play the under uh, in that match. And again, Medvedev, one of these guys who I could see losing his first-round match, wouldn't be the most outlandish thing in the world, or being tested, and a guy who could get deep into a tournament. But um, come fall for the U.S. Open, that might be the guy that I land on. But yeah, over 35-and-a-half, don't hate it at all for that one. Uh, we do have a baseball pick. Yesterday, we lost in baseball. 3-2, um, to two, the Giants lose to the Dodgers. We had a uh, plus 157 dog. I forgot to send you this tweet, by the way, Jason. So, totally my bad on this. But there was a call in this game from Angel Hernandez. Um, he called a called strike on Buster Posey that was more than four inches out of the strike zone. And Buster Posey, who is never a demonstrative guy, it wasn't particularly demonstrative last night either, just sort of stares at him and just incredulously, like this pregnant stare, like where he's just like, what? 4.4 inches, I believe it was, off the strike zone. We'll get you that tweet. We'll show you that later. Uh, We'll give credit to who uh, posted that. But that was not that that was the reason the Giants lost, by the way. Uh, But three to two, the Dodgers do get it done. So we lose a unit there. And we're going right back to the well on the Giants tonight. I know this sounds like, you know, broken record. Are you going to pick the Giants every night, Gil? Uh, they've, they've treated us very well all season long to date. Giants not quite as big of a dog today as they were uh, yesterday. But plus 138 on the Giants. Thank you very much. I'll take it. Kevin Gaussman for the Giants tonight, uh, who is having just the season of his life. Now, he showed... Uh, some notion of this last year in 2020 in the truncated season where he went 59 and two-thirds innings and he had a, you know, sort of a a 3.09 fielding independent where you're like, wow, uh, small sample size, smallish sample size last year. I don't know if it's real or not. Well, this year through 96 and two-thirds, he has been every bit as good, if not better, and I would say better. 1.49 ERA. He's good. He's not that good. Uh, the, The fielding independent, though, is almost you know, in that range, 2.39. So again, not, not, you know, not a 1.49 guy, but still excellent uh, with all the stuff he can control. He has been fortunate on the BABIP. He has been fortunate on the home run to fly ball rate. Uh, and maybe even to some degree on the strand rate at 87.2%. So there are definitely some indicators that again, that uh, that's why the 1.49 is a mirage, but it doesn't take you out of whack and make him into a marginal or even a poor pitcher. It just makes him into not as great as his ERA pitching. Still still an excellent campaign, and it's supported by a 30.8% K rate, a 5.5% walk rate for Kevin Gaussman. Searching here for his, uh, for his swinging strike rate. Searching, searching. Uh, we'll find that here momentarily. Swinging strike rate is 16.3%, which is the best of his career. So that is no mirage, and it was 15.2% the year uh, last year in the truncated season. It was 14.8% the year before that. So it's been this very steady crescendo for Kevin Gaussman through the years. And so all of that at plus 138 leads me to the play. Walker Bueller, by the way, you're asking about the Dodgers. And by the way, these are two righties, so again, it sort of falls back. Uh, the weighted on base of these two teams versus right-handed pitchers, pretty comparable the Dodgers 339 on the season, second best in baseball. The Giants 331, which is fifth best in baseball against right-handed pitchers. But Walker Bueller, uh, good season. Um, but I don't know. There was a moment there where we thought, oh, he's clearly the ace of this staff. I don't know if that's the case anymore. His uh, 
His ERA is 2.51. Like with Gaussman, though, his advanced stats say something different. But in the case of Bueller, <clears throat> they go to really kind of mid-range, little better than you know, average 3.69 fielding independent, 3.73 xFIP. He too has a very fortunate BABIP. He too has a uh, has a home run to fly ball rate, although not as stark as uh, as Gaussman's home run to fly ball rate. But essentially, a, a strand rate that is equally, perhaps, uh, I don't know, unsustainable as Gaussman's at 80 at 86.7 uh, percent. Anyway, that's all nerd numbers to tell you that uh, they're both good pitchers, but Gaussman might actually be better. Uh, Bueller, 25.2% K rate with a 5.6% walk rate. So, you know, good. I don't know about uh, elite in the same way. And his swing strike rate is 11.5%, which is good, again, but not elite. So, again, just playing the numbers, the Giants at plus 138 based on the value given is the play. The Giants with the best record in baseball, 50-28. and 28. Now, though, nursing just a two-and-a-half game lead over the L.A. Dodgers with the Padres lurking, of course, in the National League West. So, yes, back to the well we go on the Giants. They've treated us well, grinded out a profit this year, a minimal profit. Again, just just four units plus. We try to bring that up to five units as we approach the All-Star break. We will have a Beating the Book podcast, a mid-season podcast. We'll try to get Jason Weingarten, Paul Sporer, and Matt Vaskersian back together again, review our preseason picks that we made before the season, laugh at some of them, pat ourselves on the back for others, and uh, see what we might have moving forward. That A.L. Cy Young, by the way, very interesting market now that uh, Garrett Cole's spin rate woes are out there. The question is, who do you land on as a replacement? That's a difficult question. We'll ask Mark Borchard about that. We'll certainly ask Jason Weingarten about it later in the week. Speaking of Borchard, he's next. He's got baseball picks. It's a numbers game at VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Try one game parlay at BetMGM. One game parlay is an exciting feature designed to help you make selections within a single game from over 400 bet types. You can make one game parlay bets on the Stanley Cup playoffs, baseball, and your favorite soccer leagues. Log into your BetMGM account and create the parlay of your dreams. Or sign up today and make your first bet risk-free up to $600 with bonus code VSIN600. New customer offer, paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF-IN IOWA. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. In Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee red line. 800-889-9789. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Skill Alexander. Should probably uh, bring down the excitement level when I read through those uh, phone numbers, given given the topic. Uh, let's bring him in from an undisclosed location somewhere in the desert. Ladies and gentlemen, it's base winner, Mark Borchard. How you doing, Mark? Gil, I'm doing good. You know, I'm wondering, Michigan disassociated persons, are they talking about the Tigers? <laughs> I don't if no idea if that's what they're talking about, but that is a very clever view. Mark, I have a question. I, I sort of posed it as we went into uh, as we went into break. 
So, Garrett Cole, you have talked about the spin rate drop. You've talked about his performance drop. You've talked actually about how many, uh, you know, what, what, the, what the sort of translation, if it's 200, you know, if, if the spin rate goes down 200, it's kind of, it could be 5% of someone's K rate at the top end. And, and uh, Garrett Cole, along with Trevor Bauer, perhaps being the most uh, you know, stark examples of this. If I were to say to you, okay, He's not going to win the AL Cy Young Award. Let's just say, let's just say I knew that. I came to you from the future, and I said he's not winning it. Who would you bet on to be the guy? I wouldn't tell you who won it, but who would you bet on the guy that, that did win it and that I'm just not telling you? I have trouble figuring out who else I would bet on. As far as you're, you're, you're looking for American League Cy Young? Correct. Well, you know, okay, so here's, here's – this is an interesting question on a, on a, on a pretty – I guess day where Robbie Ray makes a start. Oh no! Um, to to me, you've got okay. So these are the these are the top four in base winner ERA. You've got Garrett Cole, Tyler Glasnow, and Bieber. And Glasnow and Bieber are shelf. So number four is Robbie Ray at three point two. And like maybe that ex, that explained that there was a huge line movement in that Toronto game. It went from like minus one seventy to minus two ten. Mm-hmm. And I thought, gosh. Yeah, well, maybe that's maybe that's the reason. So it's interesting. I mean, he's fourth on the on the base winner ERA. That's that's how I would do it, Gil. Interesting. Is Robbie Raven listed in this market, Jason, or are these just are these all the players listed in the AL Cy Young, or are there more players? Because we're we're checking on that because I don't even know if he's listed. You know, yeah, which, I mean, if you look at his stats, they're they're good. He's thirty seven percent better in in K rate. He's twenty five percent worse or better rather in in walk rate. He's got a you know a point two BBK. I mean, that's that's who I'd go go with. I guess maybe you could use a WAR. He's a hundred to one, Mark. He's a hundred to one, Robbie Ray. So that's an interesting play. So the reason I bring that up is because of the coal thing. But like I was saying a couple of weeks ago, that these markets are really odd. Because take a guy like Brandon Crawford, who homered again. It should be pointed out for the Giants again last night. And I just like you look at Tatis's stats, and I'm not saying Brandon Crawford is as good as Tatis, uh, but Brandon. Let's put it this way: if Tatis is a is one of the favorites to win NL MVP, how is Brandon Crawford not even listed, right? Because the stats aren't that far off from each other. So you just you just wonder with a lot of this stuff, how much of this is just pure narrative? I guess is what I'm getting at. So with Robbie Ray, that's interesting. He's a hundred to one based on your numbers. He might be the answer to my question. Well, if not Garrett Cole, if I knew that Garrett Cole wasn't going to win this, who then would you bet on? The fact that he's a hundred to one is interesting and makes sense from a numbers play. But would there be a narrative strong enough for people to actually vote on him? Yeah, I don't know where the narrative goes. I mean, maybe like oh, Otani is. I think he's down at. Well, I have this by merit by 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 MLB, but he's probably like tenth in base winner ERA. So maybe you, you go there. Erod uh, from Boston's got a three point six three. I mean, you just don't really have you, you don't really have much, Gil. That's yeah. that's that's the thing. And the Otani thing is interesting, right? Because if if they give him MVP, which again I've made the case that Guerrero could win the Triple Crown, by the way, Otani preventing him from, from the homer side of the Triple Crown right now. But if Guerrero won the Triple Crown, you could still see Otani win the MVP, which, again, is fascinating from a historical baseball mindset because if I told you this 
you know, nine years ago that that could be the case, our heads would explode, right? Because we had had 45 years of no one winning the Triple Crown, the no, you know, then Miguel Cabrera finally did it. But if Otani is your MVP favorite, by the way, Venus Williams gets through. This just uh, finish? I'm not sure. Uh, if Otani can win the MVP, they're not going to give him the Cy Young, right? They won't give him both, I'm guessing. I don't know. That'd be pretty cool. I would say no. I mean, I, th- I think that there's, there's, from a pure number standpoint, there's better guys in front of him. And, you know, it's an interesting thought. Like, can we make these, can we make these awards objective? Can we assign points for different categories? And no, then, uh, no, be, they'll, they'll never do it. Yeah. It would be, it would be so fun to keep track of that though. Like a points total. And then this is, this is how it, you know, this is the leader, and then you can set odds, and you can actually, it, it could be a lot more predictive, too, and, and I think a lot more fun to bet. Yeah, the reason the AL Cy Young one is, is interesting, we're showing AL MVP odds right now, but AL MVP, I mean, it, it's Otani, unless there's an injury, I think, at this point. Guerrero might have something to say about it. But the AL Cy Young is interesting because the cold drop-off, it makes this all of a sudden in play to me, and Rodon and Lynn are the only other two that are in single-digit odds. Bieber's the only one besides that south of 40 to 1. So it makes for this interesting free-for-all market at this point in the season. Anyway, I just thought it was worth bringing up because um, who would you go to? And your answer was someone I would not even have thought about, which is Robbie Ray, who's at 100 to 1. So I'm sure we'll induce a couple bets with that. Uh, We have a full slate of Major League Baseball today. Where did you land, sir? There's some dogs out there that... uh, are very tempting. I landed on the Giants, but I could see I could see a couple other cases where where someone could make a a good case for some dogs. Where did you end up? Well, we'll start with the game that you're playing the Giants. I'm gonna play the Dodgers. Ah, Oppo. I've got it, and I can I can actually see you know, not, you know. I think that that comes back to like your your you can't bet against Max Scherzer and the in the uh, world series when he's, he's an underdog. And so I, I can respect that. The one thing that I I'm seeing is I have it priced at minus minus one sixty three, And of, on the three metric chart, I would say that these pitchers are even, I got Gaussman at point uh, 94 percentile Bueller in a 93 percentile. But one of the things when I was handicapping this game, and I thought was really interesting is the Dodgers at home in June. And it's like 500 bats. So decent sample size. They are at a 125 weighted runs created plus. And conversely, the Giants on the road in June, same same sample size, they're at a 79. So I think we get a big advantage. Huge difference, in, yeah. Yeah, I think we get a big big advantage when you're looking at that stat. And then if we, we take it to the bullpen, which I think it's going to get to the bullpen, and you look at the Dodgers, and I've got the three metric chart, and they're ranked fourth overall uh, in June, and the and the the Giants 12th overall in June. And then long-term, I have uh, all year long, I have the, the Dodgers ranked fifth in, in three-metric bullpen and the Giants ranked 16th. So I think that that game might go late, and uh, I think the Dodgers will get them at the end. Again, that's, that's kind of the way I handicap have you add, that's very that's, uh, that's very compelling. Have you added a layer of Giants magic to your model? I will once again ask you this question. Is that factor I, in at all? I'm still waiting for you to, to work with me on the magic the magic <laughs> component of this. So I really think that that's, that's a flaw in your Giants model. I really do. Giants, again, clinging to the two-and-a-half-point lead in the NL West. Dodgers, obviously, with an opportunity to close that gap. Uh, yet again tonight. What else did you uh, play? 
Well, I'm going to go uh, to the, this Detroit-Cleveland game, and I'm, I'm going to hope that Detroit is not a disassociated Michigan person tonight uh, because I'm, I'm going to play the over, or their pitcher is and their batters aren't, because I'm going to play the over. It's 9.5 over minus 110. Uh, Urena is a three percentile in my three-metric chart. Uh, I'm looking to play against him as much as I can. And then Jan Carlos Mejia, he's changed his name to J.C. Mejia, but he's still a below-average pitcher uh, by the three-metric chart. He's at a 40 percentile. So we have that going for him. The weather, uh, we have a, an application that uh, assigns value to the weather, and it's assigning a 12% increase in runs scored based on the weather uh, in Cleveland tonight. So I think for all those reasons, I'm going to bet the over nine and a half. Oh, and the other thing is, is Detroit's bullpen three-metric chart worst in baseball. So for all those reasons, I'm, I'm betting the over tonight uh, in Cleveland. Over Cleveland, Detroit, Urania against J.C. Mejia. Uh, and is that where you stopped? No, no third play. Yeah, there was there was a couple that that just missed a cut. I, I liked Philly a little bit, but I really don't want to bet against Rogers. But I'm looking for Philly. I think they may be a surprise, Gil, at eleven to one. That lineup is I've got third best in baseball. I think I'm going to put a little bit down on them at eleven to one to win that division. Ooh, interesting. Where did you where did you fall on the Padres Reds game today? Um, I've got it r- priced at minus one forty-eight. So oh, it's so right there. Kind of where it is, and and I I wanted to play the Padres over the team total, but they haven't hit very good on the road in June, so I passed on on that particular angle. My buddy E, who's a big uh, lifelong Padres fan, who I've referred to on the show many times, he just he's like, oh my God, Blake Stell is an d- utter disaster uh, for the San Diego Padres. And then finally, Carlos Martinez pitching for the Cardinals. We always talk about pitchers that you are inclined to fade. Uh, no play on that, Cardinals. And oh, the it's D-backs. so hard. Yeah, it's it's really tough because he's a 28 percentile pitcher, Martinez. Um, you, I want to play against the Cardinals because they're still the second luckiest team in baseball. But this Diamondback team has just been so bad on the road. So They've got bad. like a 70. And, and, and so I just can't. You know what they did yesterday, Gil, is they had the bases loaded with two outs and they let the pitcher bat. I I, I couldn't believe we, it we, in the sixth inning. Someone tweeted like, me about that. What kind of confidence that. do you have in your lineup? It's you unbelievable. Know? It's unbelievable that that happened. Mark, appreciate it. Thank you for your AL Cy Young answer. Thank you, sir. Gil, my pleasure. Thank you. Mark Borchard at Base Winner, Base Winner Podcast, available where you get your favorite podcast. We'll come back. Paul Spore on baseball, Paul Carr on soccer, Dan Bespris on the NBA next. Numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. 